Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the NXT 2.0. Oh! Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick. Here to review last night's episode of NACD. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also right announced right now. Baby, as well as pay reviews, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week completes with a bloody quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Havlin Sidgwick to review NXT 2.0. Had a really enjoyable show, I thought. As enjoyable as your intro. Like, I do like a lot of chocolate on my biscuit. I would join your quiz. Thanks, so, mate. Um, I thought this NXT was tremendous. I thought this was a really, like, you come in on a Tuesday with the uh, stated aim of winding up a minimum of one of your colleagues yeah. by storming in by saying, oh, best show of the week just dropped, <laughs> in reference to NXT 2.0. You've been doing this around a year, around the time of the 2.0 change. Yeah. It's not getting old for me, uh, but it's never once felt true until this week. I had a blast with this episode, um, for not for the reasons that we would typically have a blast with NXT 2.0. No. In truth, I've been fairly loud and complain of not enjoying Triple H's influence being felt on the show and in his, in his attempt to make it good. I don't need any of the... I don't think he's actually doing it, you know? No, I know. There was just... It was it was boring a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, that stinks yeah, at Triple yeah. H. That stinks at <laughs> you. Um, so it's not that. So typically, I would want this to be a more traditional 2.0 episode, but instead, I just came away with a lot of things I was looking forward to praising. And indeed, in one case, writing about on the website, like there's going to be an article. It'll probably be tomorrow now that I get a chance to write about it. I was that enthused on the way to work that I thought... This NXT has put me in mind of like a wider point about wrestling in general, which I would have never seen coming. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, like, there was stuff I'm looking forward to reviewing in the way that I would. I'm not saying they're on a similar quality, but like an AWV. I just liked this wrestling mm. show. There was some total bollocks on this show, <laughs> which means I can't take it seriously as this earnest effort to do pro wrestling, which it isn't, but you know, whatever. Yeah. There were two things on here that was so abjectly awful that I can't, in good conscience, Praise it. But, you know, did some stuff that, you know, was, wasn't too bad. <laughs> I was really pleasantly surprised it's by feeling this. mega 2019, this, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's feeling massively 2019 <laughs> in terms of, like, tastes. Uh, so the show opened with a big recap, of course, of what happened with Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez with some 
Interesting editing around the skateboard gimmick. <laughs> uh, and then we dive straight into JD McDonough versus Cameron Grimes. Uh, a real hard hitting affair, this felt. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. It's just because I'd just woken up. I was like, bloody hell, these lads aren't holding back. Um, you know, back and forth early on. They're two great wrestlers, obviously. Uh, Grimes hits a crossbody, a big crossbody to, to knock JD McDonough down again. There's Joe Gacy with his sinister smug watching this match <laughs> and distracting Cameron Grimes. Uh, it was also a nice bit from Janie McDonald. I don't know if this is something that, that uh, former Jordan Devlin has done previously. I just noticed, noticed it. There was a bit where he got knocked out onto the apron or knocked out of the ring and then jumped up onto the apron and did this like weird leg sweep from the apron and then spun over the top mm. to sort of splash onto him, which I thought looked really nice. Um, look, the story of the match was basically J.D. McDonough started targeting Cameron Grimes's leg. He kicked the leg out of his leg. He slammed it into a ring post. He chop-blocked it whenever he saw an opportunity. Uh, Cameron Grimes fought back, though. There was a nice sort of swinging side effect he hit at one point. Um... But yeah, it's it's him targeting the knee, and then at one point, uh, Cameron Grimes in Inseguri to get his get himself out of this predicament. Um, Grimes knees him in the face as well at one point when he's going after the leg. Uh, Grimes got knocked to the apron, and then McDonough did the uh, the old headbutt to him. And Grimes' knee oof, got all caught up in the ropes. He's screaming in agony. Uh, J.D. McDonough sees his opportunity and starts stamping on that knee, and the referee's counting. Uh, it slows Grimes down, and when they both get back into the ring, uh, J.D. McDonough hits the Devlin side. Let's see what they did there. Mm-hmm. For the one, two, three. Fantastic opener. Yeah, I really like this in spite of myself as well. I think I'm, I'm going to put this down mostly to Cameron Grimes selling because they laid the leg stuff on so thick as if to remind you that they, like, a little bit hold their audience in contempt. This idea that you cannot just watch the wrestling match and infer from the physical performances of what exactly is taking place in the story that J.D. McDonough is this kind of, as he was as Jordan Devlin, he's kind of a, a hybrid guy in the load of his offense is proper, uh, contemporary and cruiserweighty and, like, electrifying, but he wants to be this hardened, grizzled fighter guy, so he's got to try and bring those two contrasting worlds together. And he does it by being really vicious and nasty around a body part. And I wish they'd been allowed to just tell that story physically more than the way that it was insisted that they lay it on with camera cuts and with the commentary and the like. Because on silent and slow down a little bit in its presentation, I think this would have stood up even more. Like a, a, a really tremendous piece of business. And I'm going in as somebody that, like, Pre's is supposed to really not want to enjoy the work of J.D. McDonough as well. Mm-hmm. I was much preferring being able to laugh at a guy that was winking under sunglasses than I was accepting that this match was a really solid piece of work. And Cameron Grimes, freed from this hinterland of having a like work quasi-heel for the Bron Breaker thing to work, is immediately back where I want to see him. Like I was like I found him to be quite a sympathetic figure here. And he played it just enough to justify the <laughs> impending existence of Joe Gacy in his mm. life. Um McDonough looked like the instant and one contender they've made him to be. So it was, you know, successful on an objective booking level as well. It was good. This was really good. I will say, jumping ahead slightly, that they almost, not ruined or even undermined that the story of the match, but my God, they clasped your hand with a segment later on yeah. in the evening, Jesus Christ, because, again, I could infer from this match what McDonough is all about. Um, what he can do to potentially 
get a victory over Bron Breaker and win the title. This was all accomplished in the context of the match itself. So the segment that followed, I did not need. Um, and yeah, this is really good on an objective work rate level and on a perversely amusing level, which is basically what you want from the <laughs> yeah, world yeah. of NXT 2.0. McDonough insists every single match do this sort of like haymaker throw down body punch. I could have been a boxer <laughs> spot where like him and his opponents, like he did it with Tyler Bate, did it with several cancelled uh, wrestlers as well. Where midway through, when it breaks down, they're like battering each other's stomachs. And it only ever happens in a McDonald match. It's just one of his trademark mm. spots. And Cameron Grimes, with his genuinely great babyface fire and worked punch technique, looked so much better than McDonough at McDonough's trademark <laughs> spot. Because I just think it looks rubbish mm. nine times out of ten. I don't know why he does it. Um, and the the following near fall that resulted from that skirmish, when he did a thrust kick, it felt like it absolutely wobbled his yeah. jaw, the hard-hitting contact he was talking about, Wilborn. So it was really energizing, really hard-hitting, really impactful, like really elegantly worked match. Um, yeah, this was genuinely good, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> Uh, we got a lot of promos throughout the night, building, of course, to that 20-woman battle royal, everyone saying, unsurprisingly, I'm going to win it, not just oh, happy to be here. Uh, first one we got was from Nikita Lyons. She said she got unfinished business with Mandy Rose, and they'll settle it once she wins tonight. And then it was time for the star of the show, Tiffany Strata. She said, I just find it so offensive. I have to compete in this battle royal tonight. Obvi, I'm the only woman deserving of a title match. And if you can't see that, I'm so sorry. It must be so difficult going through life completely blind of everything around you. Enjoy your pathetic existence under that rock while I go on to win the Battle Royal tonight. Sincerely, yours truly, Timnus Tram, the next X2M's chapter. Would you like to know some inside baseball? I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this before, but generally we aim to do the review podcasts at half ten. Yeah. So it gives us... Ample time to shoot the news. Um, me and Hamlet can get really drilled into a list, and then half ten is just a good time. Then you have lunch, and then you can finish up the rest of the day. So half ten a.m. <laughs> what's coming here is when we strive to do it without fail every single week. When we ask, uh, Wilbur, what time are we podding today? What time are we doing the review? Tuesdays, uh, yeah, ten thirty. Thursdays, yeah, t- ten t- ten thirty. 10.30. Uh, uh, every Wednesday. Right. <laughs> Wilbur, what time are we doing the pods? <sighs> Looking closer to 11, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and I stopped asking why about eight months ago. Yeah. What other Wall Street Journal articles must be breaking to keep us so busy on a Wednesday morning? <laughs> well, in fact, he has to verbatim write down everything said by Tiffany Stratton and Tony D'Angelo. That somehow takes half an hour. I think he likes to... Like sort of rehearses yeah, promo as well. Yeah, get into quite character. right. Whereas, whereas, whereas on Dynamite, all I've got to write down is the great wrestling and maybe a Keith Lee promo. <laughs> so that's the difference. Like um, NXT's creative team, as relates to this women's division, Adam Wilborn is doing the work. Yeah. Um, this promo was one of the better ones. Some of them were really, really weak. Um, but I don't want to talk about the weakness of the performers. I'd like to talk and make a wider point in the Battle Royal itself about the overall strength of this division because... We spent plenty of weeks talking about its many, many, many weaknesses. Yes. So I think this was yet another good week for a couple of things they're doing very, very right and 
on yeah, NXT at the moment. Related to that, we got Cora Jade coming out next. Uh, she's wearing all black now, although she's not got new gear. <laughs> when later on, she was in just the <laughs> snazzy gear that she normally wears. Um, and she gets on the mic. I quite like this promo. She got on the mic. She said, first thing you need to do is shut. Everyone needs to shut the hell up. I was like, well, you're definitely heal then. Uh, she said, last week she stabbed First her. of all, you're a bitch. <laughs> she, last week first she, of all, you're a bitch. <laughs> last week she stabbed her best friend in the back. But she should have done it sooner. Uh, for the past year, she'd been the face of the NXT women's division. She was on the posters. The fans had proclaimed her the next breakout star. Uh, but she decided she wanted to take her best friend along for the ride. So she got uh, Roxanne Perez a job. And then all of a sudden, the fans turn on her. They pick Perez as the next breakout star. And then they won the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. And barely 30 minutes later, there's Roxanne Perez challenging for the NXT Women's Championship, acting like these builds mean nothing. Talks about the generation of Jade, calls Perez a selfish bitch. Uh, and then it's just for the confirmation, admits that she was the one who jumped Perez in the parking lot, uh, and she bragged about attacking her to close last week's show as well. Uh, and related to the NXT Women's Tag Team title that she's got slung over her shoulder, she says, this title I hold, it's a lie. And Medusa-esque, she uh, puts a belt in the beer <laughs> and walks out. Now, there's been a bit of controversy around this. What's your take on it all? So... The only controversy I saw was that people believed that by the physical act of her throwing a tag belt in the bin, it was somehow a dig at Sasha and Naomi leaving because they left the tag belts behind. I, <laughs> this is genuinely, I believe, because absolutely nobody is watching WNXT. Like there was some actual discourse on this this morning, and that never happens on a Wednesday. I think nobody is watching this, so nobody would have picked up anything because they're not aware of the context of the story, and they've probably not even watched the promo. If anything, they've probably seen a GIF or an image of the belt in the bin and have thus made, and they've kind of like put two and two together. And rarely for WWE, I think you've made five. Typically, one thing would mean another. Yeah. This is, we're literally, what, 24 hours removed from talking about the Titus O'Neil thing and what that was all about, you know? I think this is one of the rare cases where they've got it wrong, but nobody would know that because nobody watches this show. So I'm not particularly going to be like angry at people for making that point, and I'm certainly not doing a stand-up for WWE, but they've committed countless crimes as it relates to these titles. Mm. Like over and over and over again, this is not the hill to die on, I don't think. Um, there was no retcon in here. They weren't trying to like glue things on to make the story make sense. They've been telling this story for ages, and anybody who listens to this know because we've been telling you that they've been telling the story yeah. for ages. From the very beginning, there was little clues, and it's been really nice to see them pay this off. I didn't think Cora Jade was amazing here, but this is where NXT becomes a developmental again. She's been asked for the first time to go out and cut the big 10-minute Explain My Actions Heel promo. They're allowed to get better on screen, I guess, but I'd rather see the intent be good, and the intent has been good throughout here. Let's Let's... Analyze how well this Cora Jade babyface push is really going and then decide if long-term the play is to turn a heel because a better version of her has arrived on the scene and nobody can sell Cora Jade as the best anymore. And they've seen it and they've done it and it's been really good and really strong. Yeah. And I loved the belt going in the bin thing. I'm, this is a lofty comparison and certainly not in terms of delivery. I'm not comparing the two. But when Mick Foley's like, historic, beloved, and rightfully so, ECW anti-hardcore promos were delivered down the lens with such belief he later said in his book how he had to believe in what he was saying for any of this to make sense mm. that cane jewy sign these people want me to cane my own oh, i want the sandman to cane my son i've got to believe this right her line about we won the tag belts and then straight away like you want to just fight for the singles title instead as if there was just one little thing that was going to be the turning point for her 
what she's saying is Roxanne Perez in that moment figuratively threw the belt in the bin. So now that's what I'm going to do literally to make that point. Really good. Like, ge- honestly, genuinely, earnestly good. And the level of character development that Cora Jade has experienced in that time is it, like... AEW could never. It's just that they would never because they. <laughs> but they've told stories far better than that. Far better yeah. than that. Of course they have. It's AEW. But like the women get nothing like that. Like this is proper proper character development and thought. I was impressed with the thought that went into this promo. Again, I'm not suggesting this is some five star verbal delivery. She's got to get better at this. This is what it is to be a WWE rep. You've got to come out and do this nonsense. But the fundamentals were. Frankly, unbelievable. Yeah, I, was, I was sort of pleasantly surprised by this. That's incredibly patronising, I realise that. But I think I was c- more concerned going into it that Doug Cora yeah. Jade was just going to be all, you know, gothy and moody and, uh, and you know, like you say, there was there was glimpses of the classic each and every one of you, blah, blah, blah. But there was, as Hamlet mentioned, Sige, that crumb of, I can kind of see where she's coming from a little bit there, and that's what you need for these sorts of heel promos to work. Yeah, absolutely. Look, my take on this is that if you're going to devalue a title by throwing it in the bin, do it like this. Do it from a proper character perspective. Do it with titles that no one realistically gives a toss about and they might even abandon after this um, angle. If you're going to do something terrible, do the execution really well. Look, I really didn't think the promo was very good at all. I like the intent of the story. This is a bad wrestling thing done really quite well in a warped way is how I would describe it in a really sort of long-winded way. Um, but the promo itself, like, look, if this is the sort of promo that a WWE act will cut, and it's like the Randy Orton match version of a promo yeah. where Cora <laughs> Jade's going to go backstage and she's going to get the back slapped and congratulated and you absolutely did everything we wanted you to do out there and it was like well yeah because what she did out there was a painfully cliche wwe promo like even down to the facial tics and the pause for like derisory laughter Tongue in the clicking in the cheek and they're like oh and like the inflection of yeah. oh you know cora jade <laughs> well now See she's a, and now you? she's a bitch and like <laughs> she nailed for better or for worse for worse the WWE star explains her actions promo. This can only hold her in great stead in the company going forward. It's not for me. Um, but, you know, she did the job, asked of her, really quite well, even though I hate the job. <laughs> and, and the match at the end of this as well is something that should theoretically bring her on loads. Yeah. Because, like, Roxanne Perez is, is clearly operating at a level above, like, most of the rank and file in NXT 2.0. So, from a de- again, from I suppose from, like, a developmental point of view, that going well, plus the match that you expect at the end, could bring her on. This could, you know, this could be a success story across the board. Plus, you've got another match after that, win or lose against Roxanne Perez. Because, like, I love the way that they shot. You know, it wasn't ideal in terms of his Zoe Stark, but um, the, the way it was all like Cora J was like, "It's all about me now. Yeah. I'm the star of this battle royal." And here comes Zoe Stark, and she's just like rolling her eyes and going after. How's this happen? Exactly. Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't have accounted for this. Yeah. Plus, very excited to see the new tag team of uh, Roxanne Perez and the Bin Monster going forward. <laughs> you know? Jesus Christ. Oh, long-term storytelling. Neil Shirai's coming back. <laughs> All right, Mackenzie's backstage with Zion Quinn, uh, who says, yeah, you know what, good for Cora, because all the heels obviously stick together. Uh, he says, this isn't a we business, it's a me business. Uh, he did make me chuckle a little bit, actually, when he was like, Oh, yeah, Apollo Crews said to be so great and see the future. Didn't see me jumping him last week, did he? And uh, why do this gimmick when you can... <laughs> Unpick why, it in why? one promo. Yeah. Unless he's perfect going forward. He wins every match decisively, counters every single move that would 
in the other timeline <laughs> would have, um, like, you know, put him down for three, unless he, like, just simply wins and is incredible and headlines WrestleMania in perpetuity, then a heel can always say, didn't see that one coming. Must be an idiot then. In fact, he's even worse than an idiot because if he can see it coming, then he's the worst defensive wrestler of all time. <laughs> Unless it's a big, you know, galaxy brain in this because we are in and around SummerSlam. What was the tagline two years ago? You'll never see it coming. So there you go, LTST. No, that means nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, you've just put <laughs> you two just things, put loads together of things together there. That meant literally less than nothing. Oh, hang on. Just got a job offer from WWE coming through <laughs> off the back of that. Uh, anyway, he said, oh, yeah, Cruz can throw his right weight around in the gym, but he can't do it on the big stage. And now the X Factor uh, gets to he's take it. He's got no X Factor. <laughs> That's the one thing he probably hasn't got. Funny when he said Also big, wrestling ability. It's funny when he said big stage, wasn't he? He was like, oh, those two things don't belong. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, Indy Hartwell said she was going to win the Battle Royal. Uh, and then we got, uh, a, I sadistically enjoyed this next match, Roderick Strong kicking the crap out of Damon Kemp for quite a while. Um, he's teaching him a lesson, Sidge, uh, and he grounds him down and grapples with him and lays in shots a little bit too stiff and some knees in there and what have you. Uh, Kemp fires up eventually, though. Uh, he gets a suplex, gets a gut wrench suplex. Uh, Strong hits him with some knees to the ribs to put him down, but then uh, Kemp comes back with a nice spear through the ropes for a two. Uh, Kemp goes for a power slam. Strong slips out, kicks him, and there's a double clothesline, and they're both down. And then who should appear on the screen but the star of the show, Tony D with the boys, kicking the crap out of the Creed brothers, who they had mentioned on commentary, had been told by Roderick Strong that everyone diamond mine doesn't need to be ringside for this. And Tony D says, hey, Roddy, hey, Roddy, yeah, up here. You know I've got your attention. <laughs> These diamonds are yours. They ain't shining so bright now, are they? The only thing that's forever is Tony D. Get out of here, boys. And he goes to leave. <laughs> goes to leave. <laughs> And, like, they're both distracted. They're both sort of getting their feet You can take two diamonds out of NXT, but you can't take them out of the NXT review. (laughs) (laughs) So Kemp and Strong both get their feet, both like, bloody hell, what's going on? And Kemp's like, well, we're going to go back there, boys. I like like the distinction between Tony Dean. Can we have a bit of stacks, please? He wasn't... Yeah, Stacks didn't say anything. Yeah, he was like, hey, put the books on <laughs> <laughs> Really enjoy that. But I, I really liked uh, Damon Kemp going, oh, bloody hell, Roddy, we better get back there and help my boys. Roddy's like, just quickly, one more thing. <laughs> Absolutely nails him <laughs> in the jump in knee strike. Big Jones is like, what the bloody hell's going on here? And Strong pins him. Roderick Strong's so good. He doesn't. He deserves to be so so much better, and so much, somewhere else so much better than this. Because then he goes... Uh, quickly, one more thing. Jump in this strike. One, two, three. Right, come on, you quick. Let's get to the back. <laughs> Runs off. Genius. Um, I'm going to skip ahead because I think these went, and there was like a pretty, pretty deadly thing, which I'll get to, but I want to do it all together because then he finds the Creek Brothers backstage, goes, what bloody hell are you doing losing a fight? Confected, forgetting that they were at a numbers disadvantage and probably jumped by Tony <laughs> D and the boys. Kemp comes in like, oh, oh, bloody hell, boys, are you all right? Strong goes, where have you been? And then uh, he, he curses everyone out and says, uh, everyone needs to listen. Tony may have started this, but we're going to finish it. I quite like this, Sitch. It was uh, not bad. It was not bad. It's always nice to see Roderick Strong be an absolutely horrific in-ring bully, even though Kemp is just unable, through not having much about him, to sort of get the sympathy end of that business um, accomplished. 
Um, but to finally got his head kicked in, it was it was fun to watch. Um, like Tony D targeting at the tag team champions. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, everyone in WWE, all the rank and file, should just interrupt a heel champion promo or a face champion promo and just say, right, I'll have a match. That's how it works. Yep. Um, even though it's fine. How this do you is, get a match at WrestleMania? Yeah, no, <laughs> this is all absolutely fine, I guess. In the in the WWE world, yeah. yeah. You take Escobar out of this equation, and you have a stable that exists exists as a result of a match stipulation operating as a stable. Then, funnily enough, it's actually then it, like adheres to its own rules yeah. and consequences. It's actually not as bad as it has been in previous weeks. Yeah, I couldn't have predicted the crumbling of two stables on the same show. We said this before, like, it's kind of the same thing going on here. Like, you've got two leaders that are unhappy with the situation they found themselves in for stupid reasons. I didn't... Tony D with a bit of subtext. I, d- I didn't see them coming together. Like, this, I did not see this happening. Um, and the, the Roderick... As a feature of the Roderick strong Damon Kemp match around the finish, I thought I was absolutely inspired. Like, they've nailed, for me here, uh, Roderick Strong's... Who was, who was the character recently we were talking about when WWE where it was just like, what on earth is my motivation? Who am I when I go out? Like, I knew exactly who Roderick Strong was here and every one of his decisions made sense. Winning the match first, dishing out the bollockings before saying, come on, guys, we need to come together, considering that he's been the one that's been on the losing den constantly. Like, all of this was pitched perfectly for a show that gets this sort of thing wrong all the time. I thought they nailed Roderick yeah. Strong's presentation at, to such an extent where I started thinking he's... Like, this made me laugh, right? And I thought, well, long term, if he is, if he does sort of, if he is excommunicated from Diamond Mine, is the answer, considering that Tony D is about to presumably break up with, like, Escobar and Co., is the answer to put Strong and and Tony D together? And is that going to help? Is that going to, as a team, is that going to help advance Tony D'Angelo? Are they going to look at their own problems separately and realize the answer is to get together and, you know, like they're, you don't need these losers. Well, you don't need these losers. We need each other. We're both winners. Oh, my God. I love it. I'd like to use that on NXT. That's that's sort of where I thought, because I was trying to figure out, like, how how does this Roderick Strong Diamond Mine thing end? Mm. Right? He's obviously going to be separated from the group, but to what extent? And this made me think, well, maybe that's how. Yeah. Who was it? I was just thinking there. Who was it who owned a company and said, if you lose a shoot fight outside the ring, I'm going to have to sack you? Bill Watts. Bill Watts. That's what I got from this. <laughs> what are you doing? Get your head kicked in. Get the tag champs. I thought Roderick Strong was absolutely brilliant here. Like you say, just, oh, God, we better check on it. One more thing. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. And then immediately scarpering, going, come on, keep up. <laughs> I know I've just physically knocked you out for three seconds, but genius. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment... 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, then we got the uh, NXT UK tag team title match. It was uh, Boris Johnson and uh, Sir Wanks a lot. Uh, with Fallon Henley against Pretty Deadly. Uh, beforehand, we got a, uh, a bit backstage where Pretty Deadly have got cleaning supplies. I wonder who suggested like a little prop for that one. I don't know. Uh, they're going to wash the stink off the titles, they say. And uh, they do the whole roll tag. Yeah! Um, I was like, well, I want you to win now. <laughs> uh, and then Josh Briggs is firing up uh, uh, the other one uh, who loves wanking. Uh, and they, they, they're going to say, we're going to win this, and then Fallon Henley's going to win the Battle Royal. Um, and they were half right, I suppose. Um, they, Jensen's like, I'm not going to keep my call out there, just a heads up. Uh, they're going to give him an old-fashioned country ass-whipping. Um, and pretty dead. Just a quick word on Pretty Deadly's gear. Oh, I just, I, I blow hot and cold on Pretty Deadly, and I think I realise why. is because the matches never quite live up to how good they are at being pretty deadly. It just moves happening, isn't it? Yeah, it is just moves happening, and yet I completely get their appeal and want to see more of them. I wish there was more to the matches. I wish there was more meat on the bones because the aesthetics are unreal. The only thing I, the only thing I thought was they're not, they're not cowboys, are they? I mean, they're country boys, but they're not cowboys, but they're like, ah, close enough. Close <laughs> enough, close enough. Uh, yeah, it was just... Have you run through the recap? I no, I've not. I've just said it about the cow, would, cow I would, print. I would push them. This is the thing. They're an act for me. Like I would push them, but I would like more in the ring. Like I would, I would like a great deal more than I get sometimes. There was a match they had a few weeks ago that was really quite good. Was it the Creed Brothers? Yes. I suppose like the opposites attract. It was when they was, were like wrestling them and they're like, oh, yeah. like the you know the that was really effective, effective types were yes. out wrestling the big. Fundamentally yeah. great meatheads, and they were bragging about it. That was cool. I, I don't want to see them getting trapped in like a headlock match against yeah. normal guys. Jensen and Brog, I've legitimately forgotten their names at this point. They, their act is basically, yeah, let's do a pretty formidable clothesline and then go, yeah, again. <laughs> it's just like they're, not, they're just, it's like the smoking guns without the nostalgic new generation pattern. Yeah. yeah. And they're just kind of just doing a very basic match that looks rugged enough and they've got the crowd appeals and the crowd, you know, you don't have to appeal that. But the crowd. new, new blackjacks. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's good as well because it's felt like, oh, I don't know, maybe like 10 weeks since we've had some house heels who were like really good on the mic uh, and could be, you know, phenomenal <laughs> in the ring as, as tag champs. But <laughs> more on them later. Um, yeah, they break, everything breaks down early. At one point, um, Briggs throws uh, Prince. I love their names. I'm writing down Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. Uh, he, Prince gets chucked over the top rope and collides with Fallon Henley. That takes us to a break. When we come back, Pretty Deadly are in control. 
Uh, they've cut the ring in half and eventually get into the hot tag of, of Josh Briggs, who comes in and runs wild, cleans house, stereo cross bodies, though, from uh, Briggs and Wilson, get them both down. And at this point, Wilson uh, gets handed a title belt by Elton Prince, who then slides the other one in to, to Briggs and distracts the referee. And it looks like they're going to cheat to win. But before um, Wilson can turn around and use the belt, uh, in comes uh, Fallon Henley to, to stop that, stop him from utilizing it. Um, Jensen kicks Prince right in the face uh, to take him out of the match. And then uh, they hit their high-low finisher off the back of like an attempted schoolboy or a roll-up off or whatever with this distraction. Uh, high-low finisher um, on then they cover, Briggs covers Wilson for the one, two, three. They retain the titles. Yeah, just, just too basic. And just a comment on the booking as well. I'm, Struggling to work out what I'm supposed to think about pretty deadly as contenders at this point because you know I wouldn't say that I was mega high on them. They're an NXT UK act. I need to be sold on an NXT UK act. But they came in really hot. And then they were presented as winners and arseholes and characters and things that I had loads all of a sudden. So if I wasn't going to like them, it wasn't for the want of their trying. And I did. I did like them. I felt engaged. And then ever since then, they've been really 50 50 and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to take them seriously as proper... Con- Despite the aesthetic, am I supposed to see, treat these as serious contenders to belts? And then they're losing to these dweebs, these complete losers. And that's NXT telling me they're losers. I know they've got the NXT UK titles, but they've always been presented as dweebs, really. Yeah. And now, just because they're winning a couple and they're beating pretty deadly, like how am I supposed to receive pretty deadly? I kind of think they're, they're fumbling something that I think... They might have had. Yeah. Go, like uh, NXT are fumbling what they had with Pretty Deadly Hank. I think they were meant to deliver the, the story of, well, turns out all you fancy talking Brits ain't quite as smart as these dumbass country boys <laughs> after all. Uh, I think that was the story. Hicks and dicks. Hicks and dicks. Drinking <laughs> my uh, cack. <laughs> uh, uh, it did nothing for me. I just watched it in a state of uh, total emotional detachment. Uh, I was in a uh, state of shock and awe next after the dead were revealed. There's Joe Gacy and two blokes in hoods. Who could it possibly be? Uh, They've been sitting under his tree for the last 10 weeks and rebuilt themselves, Gacy says, as pillars of inclusion and acceptance. Uh, They'll be who they were meant to be. It's time for them to emerge, but they have to realize there's no going back. And it turns out, guys... It was the grizzled young veterans all what? along. Um, but they've got new names. Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler with weird eyes with it too. The <laughs> uh, past will stay behind them where it belongs. They needed strength and guidance, but they found redemption and can find joy in being truly recognized. And Gacy says many more will join. There's plenty of shade under the jism tree, under the schism's tree. Um yeah. What's that tree got hanging off it? Low-hanging fruit? I just, uh, again, nothing on the wrestlers, as we often say. I just looked at this and thought, oh, what have you done to my boys? This is an absolute disgrace. And how dare the pair of you. See, that was actually quite good this week. It's got WrestleCrap contenders on it. Always, every week, yeah. They look like pitiful assholes. Can you imagine? Just think of this, right? Can you imagine how... Undiscerning one would have to be to look at these and go, Ugh. <laughs> Rip Fowler gives me the creeps. <laughs> like, it's the I've never seen a horror film, or yeah. I have such limited capacity to discern between that which is good and that which is bad. The thing, oh god, it's like Freddy Krueger. 
who is this getting over in front of? Obviously, it really annoys me, all this. Especially because, like, they were done. They were, like, in terms of when we were talking about the transition from NXT to NXT 2.0 and going, like, all the, you know, you talk about, like, kickpad wrestlers and blah, blah, blah. All that can't be there because it's just a big... I was like, yeah, but like a few people, like Carmelo Hayes, I think was one we mentioned mm-hmm. at the time. A few others who were like, they're fine, they're ready to go. We can just put them on that show. If anything, they'll probably do better on on two point oh. I was like, Grizzling veterans just, just really, especially for an American audience, really annoying. Brits, a pantomime element, accents, yeah, and they just they little ah, they cut all the corners, blah blah blah, and then they do this and they put them in the. The hoods and all that bollocks. And they go, tell you what we need. Ugh, it's a cheating, annoying, heel British tag team. It's like, you had one. Yeah. Just frustrating for me. But what did you make of it? His career's dead. Dead. Two careers yeah. are dead. Yeah. That's what's happened here. It's have, a disgrace. We have said this before. Like, sometimes you can laugh at a gimmick. And I, was, I remember thinking this a lot with Retribution. It was so funny and stupid. And yet, it's potentially a career killer. People lost their jobs because within that company, they weren't considered important due to the terrible gimmick they were given. So it's all fun and games until it becomes no laughing matter at Until all. someone loses an eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, Zach Gibson, obviously, oh. being in America and no longer having access to the NHS, had to go to Joe Gacy for his laser eye surgery. <laughs> like, what is it with... And it's Bruce Pritchard, because he did it with Kane. Like, why... Why those white eyes with the one black? Like, what, the one black people? What's that about? What is... Always makes me worried they're going to get an eye infection as well. It's all my mum ever said when they started coming out with them. I was like, oof, don't be wearing them. You don't know where they've been. But they're in your eye. So. Yeah, in, in solution. <laughs> well, has it though? At the start of the pod. Yeah, you, yeah you do yeah, it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At the start yeah. of the pod, Sid, Sid mentioned that there was two things that he really, really hated. And I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm worried that it's going to be something that I'm going to put over slightly. Yeah. I'm not sure. That's don't the... worry about me. You well, don't I don't care about anything anymore. But, uh, but I, like, I'm, not, I'm not sure if the other thing's going to be the case, right? But ultimately, there are certain things that are not for me, but I can watch and acknowledge might be for others. Exactly. And I think that's an important distinction to make sometimes. I'm completely with Sidge on this one. Like, this is not for me, but I don't think it's for anybody. I don't think anybody would look at this. And regardless of what you might have thought about the Grizzly Young Vets, by the way, just individually as characters, let's pretend that there isn't any history and it's not part of... And they've kind of acknowledged that, haven't they, that this is a Joe Gacy transformation job. They're not asking you to receive these as brand new people. No. The, the Grizzly Young Vets exist in this KFAB universe, but Joe Gacy has cleansed them of their former sins or whatever. Like, I don't know possibly who this is for, but the road back for them is even longer than... Gunther in red tights or pick your latest gimmick transformation because they've got to undo they've got to undo law stuff now like Bray Wyatt if he wants to be Wyndham Rotunda the wrestler like has to still be a little bit the fiend he can't put his boots and trunks on and be I'm actually from a cowboy wrestling family my name name was Wyndham exactly yeah exactly like they've got to undo that if they want to go back to being wrestlers it's a hard slog ahead for them Concerned for Cameron Grimes already. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Wesley uh, is still on this quest to find himself. He says in a little interview, uh, he's going to go after Grayson Waller next week, and then he's going to refocus on Trick Williams. Uh, and Bron Breaker was seen arriving and, and asking where J.D. McDonough is, and he comes down to the ring and cuts this promo saying he went toe-to-toe with one of the best at the Great American Bash in Cameron Grimes. Thought he made it personal, but he stood up to me. I respect it. But then there's J.D. McDonough who attacked me from behind. It's not the first time, won't be the last. 
But uh, I've heard all about JD now, the Irish ace, the NXT UK kingpin, a surgeon in the ring. Uh, JD, you wanted my attention. Now you've got it, and you're going to regret it. And then JD McDonough appears on the uh, Tron, complete with a mannequin. Uh, and he says, look, Breaker, I know how tough you are. I know you'll fight through anything, but I know how to hurt people, and I know how to make it so that their body eventually just just gives out. And uh, on the mannequin, he's drawn, like, areas of... I think he put it on the wrong shoulder, but it doesn't matter. Um, the, the bits that he's targeting, and he talks about the shoulder having eight major muscles, and he says, I'm going to do this, and then your arm's going to fall off, basically. Uh, and he says to McDonough, come down and fight me. And McDonough says, oh, all in, all in good time. Uh, just watch out for that shoulder and breaker in his own, well, not his own inimitable style, but the Steiner inimitable style. His uncle's inimitable style. <laughs> I'm going to take my shoulder and I'm going beat to you, beat your ass over the head with it. That's such a wild... <laughs> so the moon, it's the moon thing again, isn't it? It's the mental I'm image. Send you to the moon and I'm the sun. What? This was pathetic. This is pathetic. J.D. McDonald's attempts to be, like, sinister and cerebral <laughs> and calculating were just so hammy. The, the prop. They <laughs> can't just say, right, they can't ask you to tie the two concepts together. He did a really good job of breaking down um, Cameron Grimes's knee in the opener. What could he do to a body part that's previously been injured? <laughs> well, like, all right, okay, well, that's, that's the story of the match. Right, give me the match now, another story. Like, McDonough's delivery was absolutely terrible. But he said something to the effect of, oh, I know what you're going to say. I'm never going to give up. It's just like, oh, God, he's trying to be that, like, sort of pithy arsehole, and he's just coming off, like, too much of an arsehole <laughs> for me to want to see his ass get kicked. It's veering on, oh, God, I'm cringing at your attempt to play the art of this supervillain here, so I'm just going to switch off because I think your performance is terrible. It's very much like um, he plays American Psycho. That's his gimmick. Like in NXT UK, which I don't watch, obviously, because it's rubbish. <laughs> but um, every now and then, something so phenomenally awful on that show gets actual Twitter traction. And they're doing the bit where he's in the sunbed with the face mask, and he was basically being baited in American Psycho. Slapstick bait. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what he's doing here with like the, the fact that he can like dissect people, and he's like kind of a killer, and he's like really sinister. I like to dissect wrestlers. <laughs> You know what I'm awfully insane. It just it made me think of like like you just put an X anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It just made me think of like when you're talking then. Of do you remember? Where they had, I'm not. They don't really do it enough as much anymore. I really liked it when Taz would have his little like thirty technique by Taz. Yeah. Just have Wade Barrett do that. Say, oh well, you know, as someone who's been who's a wrestler who's been injured on multiple occasions. Yeah, you re-show clips of the Cameron Grimes match earlier. You show him targeting the... I'm just Look, it's all going to build to a spot where Breaker hits the spear and McDonald will... Him. And he can't cover him. Can't hit the shoulder, Breaker. And that's where it's all going. And it's smart, and I would like it to have remained smart by not being made to feel dumb with the completely obvious story beat that itself was so risible that I could not help but laugh at it. I found it incredibly fortuitous that Bron Breaker would use the word surgeon ahead of um, Devlin having a medical prop. Incredibly fortuitous yeah, that those circumstances arrived at each other. So like, he was he was on hand. It was a bit like, like the video editors on Raw. Like, fortuitous that things worked out for everybody, wasn't it? i just saying this. I think the mannequin is the least he worries. I think that made a lot of sense, to be honest, because why would they have loads of mannequins backstage at the performance centre for all the outfits for maximum male models? And Max, do... Wee, wee. <laughs> <laughs> makes, makes complete sense. So, yeah. 
I've maybe happy. You've made it make sense. I got to think about Max Dupree briefly, so I was, yeah. I was all right with it. Uh, and then I was especially all right with Van Wagner. Uh, Solo Sokoa uh, is seen walking to see SmackDown and saying, oh, next time I see Von Wagner, I'm going to kick his head in. And literally says those words. And Von Wagner goes, Rah! like that, and jumps him from behind, beats him up, chucks him into a truck and a wall and a door, kicks him, stomps on his head. And he says, oh, that's a street champ, huh? I just beat his ass. Yes, more of Von Wagner talking for himself. I am never not looking for what is the current best worst thing in wrestling, and I think this might be it. This week was, when we were discussing it yesterday, and I was thinking about that they would fight throughout buildings and just throughout the streets week on week on week. It couldn't live up to those expectations, but their performances are so stupid that I cannot wait for next week's now. I've got a great so idea So it has well. become my favourite best worst Got a great idea as well, and I'm going to say it now because I'll probably forget it by this time next week because I never remember anything, anything from the shows. Yeah. Um, next week, he's going to we're going to see like an over the shoulder shot from Von Wagner. Mm. You're going to see Solo Sokoa walking. Oh, I'm going to beat the shit out of him again, but he's a bit thick, Von Wagner, <laughs> right? And uh, it's like you know, like uh, Tom and Jerry, it's just a mirror, uh, or like, <laughs> or there's like a you know like the, when they draw a tunnel but it's just a side of a rock face and you just run straight into it literally did it on WWE television they, there exists a precedent for that Hornswoggle did it in it full Chavo Guerrero and the gag wasn't just that Chavo Guerrero was thick as we big reviewed that didn't we we might have done yeah. was Chavo was it Carlito it was a few guys I think yeah. they got like, a, a norm, or like it was at least one guy that ran into it and then a guy was like I'm not doing that and then kind of gave it that second look of should I <laughs> Uh, we get a little vignette for Axiom ahead of his debut, looking like a comic book. Uh, and then the Crees are all fired up, and they, they, they say, we don't care why you attacked us, Tony D. Because they want the tag titles. It's fairly obvious. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brutus says, Diamond Mind's a family. If you attack one of us, you attack all of us. And Strong, Strong says, yeah, Diamond Mind's the toughest family in NXT. Uh, and Julius gets really fired up, and he tops off, and he looks great. And he says, you can either accept our offer for the eight-man and get your asses beat, or reject it, and we'll hunt you down and beat your ass as well, which I quite liked as a little line. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't, like, it's, again, like, I think the, where they're going with this is more interesting than I imagine they were initially going. I just did not expect these two things to come together. They felt, like, too close to one another, quite honestly, so suddenly pairing them together has made a lot of sense. Uh, Sige, love to know your thoughts on Axiom's debut. Uh, they've done the weird thing with an entrance like they used to do with Zia Lee, where it makes it look like he's moving in a blur as he comes down to the ring. Uh, kind of basic stuff here. Obviously, just showcasing Axiom. Uh, wrist locks and people getting taken down by the arm. And Dante Chen got a tiny bit of offense in. Uh, but Axiom fights back. Tornado DDT, leaping kick, hangs Chen up on the ropes. Uh, goes up top, crossbody, big spin kick, one, two, three. I would knew have put him in there with Dante Chen, if I'm being perfectly <coughs> honest. The golf in class was... In a way, in a weird warped way, they did tell you that Axiom is a really skilled professional wrestler, <laughs> but just in doing so, they did not deliver to me a very good professional wrestling match because he was just leagues ahead. So on, in a weird, weird way, it kind of worked. The entrance is the sort of thing that absolutely isn't for me. It's the implication that he's like a computer He's a computer guy. <laughs> Inside his mind, there is a digital mind. Uh, he's a computer. He's a... So, yeah, yeah, he's, like, so quick that he can, like, leave vapor trails. 
it's just a silly WWE um, like enhancement to an act. But if you look at the actual state of like the Usos and Roman Reigns and like Riddle's feet in the Raw Rover, yeah, <laughs> check this out. Check this out. <laughs> and this is like remarkably well done. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for me. I think a certain subsection of nerds will think it's the best thing ever. Um, but yeah, look. Ultimately, they made a wrestler look good, yeah. and I'm, I'm sitting nothing else. And back to your point, if he is a superhero who can make vapor trails, you in the ring, asshole. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Bray Wyatt yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like the Bray Wyatt thing all over again. Of ah, I can manipulate your mind. I can teleport inside cells. I can conjure specters inside cells. But a match, asshole. Win a match, you <laughs> stupid idiot. If you can't teleport onto someone's chest for three seconds, but <laughs> you can teleport from uh, the side of the ring on your stupid chair to nowhere. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing, asshole? What are you doing? Um, so, yeah, it sucks, actually. I thought the match sucked ass, but I, I didn't really put that on Axiom. Uh, it was it was telling that the match was nowhere near where it should have been for the presentation of the character they're trying to get across, which I thought they were quite effective over the entrance. It also wasn't for me. This but is it, why you have like a birch. Well, it was. It was this is why you have a Danny Birch. Yeah, yeah right. someone of his ilk. Yeah, absolutely. It, w- it wasn't for me, but it was for me if it was on a 1992 episode of Superstars. I would that would leave such an impression on me that I would be like forcing you to watch it over the desk sometimes. They will one look at this and be like, "I hamfully loved as a kid is rubbish. It's yeah. not. It's not remotely credible." I was like, "It is," and let me try and explain away why it is, even though it's really just rooted in my nostalgia. So what I'm saying is, is it's absolutely probably perfect for seven-year-olds for the show watched predominantly by 50-year-olds. So it's a less than ideal location for this. But I did... I wish it wasn't in WWE because I said the same about Xylee's lightning balls. And then like two weeks later, she's just in some backstage segment nodding along to a, like another character speaking. They... Like in three weeks, Axiom could be like at a pool party in his mask. Like... That, Honestly, that's what he could be like. Maybe Axiom should win a hot dog eating contest. Like, this is the... Make it into a whirlpool. You know, like, House of Black are pretty stupid for me, right? Loads of people like goth stuff anyway, but anything can have a place as long as you buy it, believe in it, and then support it. And I just think 2.0 and WWE in general can still do this presentation stuff, but in 1992 on a Superstars when I was seven there would be this earnest delivery to the very, very, very bitter end. That character would, they'd like, they'd be loyal to that character's foibles and weird quirks and strange entrances and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And it would leave this impression deep within you. They could have abandoned this element of Axiom's presentation in six weeks and it's just, it won't matter. And not, I, otherwise, like, why not? Why not do this stuff? It's not abandoning it. They just do so much bollocks that they can't keep a top on top of it. They can't remember what bollocks trumps what. And then they just go, oh, just give them a, Cape or something. I don't know. Well, like, like a few weeks, like uh, Axiom. Uh, see you uh, enter the ring pretty quickly. Are you like that in the bedroom? Like Axiom. Yeah, going, Captain, ah. come quick. <laughs> That's it. You're one pump chump. <laughs> I've done, I've you done blow the... your beans up our ass too early. <laughs> I've done the math, and uh, that simultaneous equation is a premature ejaculation. <laughs> see you out there. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> like that's yeah. what I could do, Axiom. Uh, Last Legend says she's Axiom, g- more like Lax and Cum. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Last Legend, she's going to win. She's going to fight Alba Fire as well. And then I did like, unsurprisingly, what came next. Giovanni Vinci is uh, heading out. His work's done for the day, apparently. Uh, and someone comes up to, to him and goes, Excuse me, Giovanni Vinci, can I have a photo, please? And he's like, uh, Absolutely no problem. And I was like, Oh, 
That's not very heelish. Then just takes a selfie of himself. <laughs> she goes, oh, I want the photo of the two of us. And he literally goes, absolutely not. Which is just brilliant. And then he goes to leave. Hey, chase you, chase you, <laughs> show up. Bodie Hayward comes out. Um, is it Thea Hale who's in uh, Chase You? I've yeah. completely lost count. I did like the fact that every time, <laughs> watch it watch it back if you can be bothered, right? So they're going, chase you. So he's going, chase, and they're shouting you. And she, she's she got one of those big, you know, not not a, a megaphone, but they're just the big mm. cone things. But every time she puts it to the lips, she's said you. So she goes like, you, and then puts it to her lips, then takes it down again, <laughs> say chase. I was like, you're kind of defeating the object here. But anyway, Bodie's like, do you want to be mates? Do you want to come with us and just sit in our section? we got some seats. And he's like, oh, get away from me. Get off my car. And then they leave. And he can't leave either because they've parked the bus in front <laughs> of his car. The reasons why match ha- matches happen in this brand are so stupid. <laughs> that, literally before they even start, I'm like, who cares? Who could possibly care about this? Chase, though. I'll go for a quick piss. I do, will say as well. Uh, Axiom style. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, where's he gone? Please don't leave a vapor trail in the studio. Um, I, d- I did like the fact as well of, uh, I was like, well, worst things have happened in the car, but Hoggy should consider yeah. himself lucky. So I thought that, this was funny. Um, I, so I thought a lot about you, not just because I knew we were going to talk about this in a segment. I thought the Giovanni Venture thing was legitimately good, Patty. Right, that photo thing. That was a good line. It was completely in character, like, where this where this character should be comedically, but also the fact that we know he can go. So you can't take the piss too much with it. And it made me want to ask you if you'd ever done that thing. Because I think it's really good part, but I would never have the guts, and I think you would, because you're so committed to the crack that I think you would dare do this. Have you and a friend ever done that thing? And it's like common with footballers, I think, where you see a footballer or somebody that you know, or, like, off the telly or whatever, and you're like... Oh my god! Like me and my mate, uh, huge fans. Could we get a picture, please? And they're like, yeah, 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 sure. And then you hand them the camera to take a picture of you and your oh, mate. Have you ever done that? I don't think I've ever done that <laughs> because it's like it's gutsy. But as far as Patter goes, it's pretty incredible. I feel like I've maybe uh, accidentally mm-hmm. said, "Can I have a photo?" When I used to work in radio mm-hmm. with a pop star. And then handed it to another pop star. Oh, not no. realizing like, uh, yeah. like maybe they're in a group or something uh, like you know, they're or they're like, a member of the band. They're the guitarist, yeah. and you're like, yeah, no one cares about a photo of me and you, mate. But uh, I don't think I've ever I've never been that cocky to do something like that. But I don't uh, like it's funny because like you're punching up because the person's theoretically like footballers, you see, I, I think like like Jose Mourinho got got with it once, and I think like Soccer Aim or something played. And it's like you're punching it up there. Like millionaire yeah. footballers and millionaire footballing people are so famous that they're probably used to just like non along and that. So to be able to get them to hold your camera to get a picture of you and your mates go like that. Like, what's so significant about that picture? Well, yeah, Jose Mourinho took it. Yeah, I, I really really like that. I'm gonna try that next time. Yeah. Um, we go to the barber shop. Uh, Mello's still recovering from his melabration trick. Was hanging with two ladies, two ladies, uh, Mercedes and Lexus. They drove the opposite cars, and he got confused. <laughs> um, and then they run through all of Mello's future opponents. Uh, Solo Sokoa's got next. Mello's like, "No, I'm not having that." And he's like, "Well, don't worry, Von Wagner's got you covered." Uh, they talk about Giovanni Vinci, and he said, like, "He's only just got here." Uh, he slags off Apollo Cruz. Um, and uh, then his phone's blowing up because Wesley's talking about Trick Williams, uh, and Trick Williams just, he's such a, I don't, maybe it's because I'm biased, but he just said, I'm Trick Willie, baby, and I was like, well, I love you. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. Yeah. Uh, and he says, Wes is obsessed with me, he needs to focus on this match with Grayson Bloody Waller next week, uh, and he says, well, you should keep an eye on that match, does Mello, 
And uh, Tricker says, oh, don't worry, I'll be watching. But Wesley won't because his eyes are still messed up. Oh, got him! Uh, and then uh, he has to get a haircut or something. It's all very convenient that these conversations happen in a TV-friendly frame of time about everything that's going on. Like with the Frisbee at the, the what is the Great American Bash? They were, when they were chucking the Frisbee about beforehand, they were like, who have you got to win in yeah. this completely middling mid-card match? It's just fake. Yeah. It's just fake nonsense that <coughs> even my two favorite boys on the brand like simply cannot get away with. It's just fake, contrived, convenient nonsense. Yeah, do not confuse this with good booking just because it's a good act and probably a good match at the end of it as well. They are showing me things I want to see, but the ways in which they do that are so ridiculous. So ridiculous. But they're a great act. Yeah. Such a great act. Do you think it was poignant that they didn't mention your British boy that you love to do the voice of? What, Nathan Frazier? Uh, I think he's injured. Is that what it is? He's injured. So uh, I forget about him for a while. Has he pulled his cruciate ligament or another football injury? It might be. It's a metatarsal. Oh, metatarsal. Metatarsal was the one that scuppered England's World Cup. Not the f*** that they're all f***ing <laughs> who couldn't get along. <laughs> Pray for Wayne Rooney's metatarsal. Do you remember when they Don't bother, son. They put, they put, yeah, yeah. Beckham or Rooney's foot, a scan of his foot and you had to touch it. Yeah. Not touching that newspaper. I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, Mackenzie's there with all the toxic attraction, and she says, Mandy, who do you think is going to win the Battle Royal? And she went, Tate and Paxley. I was like, that's a weird pick. <laughs> and then she went, why is that? And she went, I don't know, it's just the first person I thought of. And I was like, oh, that sounds a bit a little bit more legitimate. Uh, JC Jane mocks Mackenzie's interviewer face when they walk away that they always get told to do by WWE. Throwing stones in a glass house there, Christ yeah. almighty. <laughs> um, and Gigi said, oh, the winner of the Battle Royal is just going to be the next loser. In comes Ivy Nile, says she's going to win. In comes Kiana James, who says, strategy and brains trumps muscle. And then in comes Alba Fire and says something about burning stuff. <laughs> Anything you want to say about this? I've got nothing. Um, again, full of praise when we get to the main event, but I would sound like a liar if I was doing it after a segment like this. In other words, not now, which is exactly what Kim Graham said next uh, when he was trying to leave, and they were like, you all right, Cameron? What no. a segue. What? Yeah, He's, yeah goddamn professional the reason why this man got his flowers... Oh, oh. Uh, we should mention that now. Now you've said it. Thank you so much to Colton, who we mentioned yesterday. It was his birthday. Uh, um, but he, yeah, some flowers arrived in the office today uh, with a note that read, to Adam Wilborn for being the very best at what you do and also because Sidgwick said you deserve them. Joyful flowers because you're a daily joy from Colton. Thank you so much. What an absolutely wonderful gesture that was. So nice. So nice. Thank so you nice. so much. Your pride of place in the What Culture office now. And Keep them peeled on the What Culture Wrestling Twitter page yes. for a more formal and visible thank you. And <laughs> thank you for saying that I deserve flowers. It's always nice that. We put you yeah, on. Yeah, best of what you do. Yeah. Just say I deserve extra money. That'd be appreciated. <laughs> that just comes in the post. <laughs> just send me money. Send me money in an envelope. Unmarked envelope. Like this, is where, like, this is where the content game needs to go next. You know, there's like, like basically they're those companies, those like big tech companies realise a lot of people on the internet just want to beg for cash. So they sell things like coffee or Venmo. Or you yeah, can put yeah, your yeah. PayPal link at your top of Twitter or whatever. And then That's already been done, mate. They're called uh, Venmo. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Twitter adding monetization things like just cutting out the middleman, just going on like your various bits of content, videos, podcasts, whatever. Send us cash. <laughs> 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 Got a fiver? Put it in the post. Are you going to cameo for it? No. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't send us cash. No. This isn't the galaxy thing either. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Don't set us cash. Okay. Well, that was like really yeah, cool. That was incredible. Christmas time, wasn't it, as well? Oh, yeah. Galaxies. 
Still got that <laughs> that uh, thingy of miracle whip to get through. <laughs> Not gonna use that quite yet. Uh, anyway, yeah, Cameron Grimes just doesn't want to speak to him. He's, he's, you know, everything's going wrong for him. And then in comes Joe Gacy, who uh, says he understands uh, what's going on with him, and he says, "Not now, Joe. I've got to leave." And then Joe Gacy smirks. He's forming a plan for the jism. Just, just stop that. Tony D's being uh, interviewed by Mackenzie <laughs> the, Mitchell. The jism sticks together. <laughs> the clay that I can move. <laughs> I've disgusted myself there. Anyway, uh, you see Electra Lopez uh, making her entrance for the Battle Royal. And uh, Tony D's getting interviewed by Mackenzie Mitchell. And he's like, oh, oh. He think? No, he says, uh, Mackenzie, get it right. Uh, I don't know what he's saying. Right like, right he's a driven agent. Not tonight. Yeah. What's it, what was the phrase he always says that you always do? It's like, uh, you see. Thing. Yeah, his, not you see, that's it. His he does, does he does oh, sorry, yeah. Here's the thing. You see, I'm just going to win because, you know, I got the goddamn book. Uh. Only one diamond in this business. It's, uh, what's me? <laughs> uh, he says, oh, <laughs> Electra's looking ready to win the Battle Royal tonight. Uh, uh, and he gets asked about Diamond Mind. He says, oh, no. All the big bad dojo bros are getting upset because they talk a beating, huh? Mackenzie, you know why these guys need a dojo? Because they can't fight on the streets. They got everybody else fooled, but not old Tony D over here. Uh, <laughs> they think they have the strongest unit in all of NXT. They don't even get along well with each other. And I was like, that's a very valid point, that Tony. And they think they can beat Tony D's crew. A well-oiled machine, come on. He says, gentlemen, we accept your offer. You can bring your towels. He buries them here. Like, he right. just shot at, They don't get along with each other. Bring your stupid pissing towels. Bring your towel. Bring your singlets. Yell all you goddamn want. <laughs> it's not going to change the outcome because next week, Diamond Mind is finished. Mackenzie, we're done here. See you later, toots. Uh, half an hour well spent. <laughs> I enjoy the value system played out here of um, sports entertainment versus pro wrestling because, like... He did absolutely like it was, f- it was funny scripting, but he buried being an amateur six foot deep here. Like if this is Jim Ross talking about somebody who's like all American pedigree, we were scouting Brock Lesnar from when he was sixteen years old because we knew he could be such an asset to like the just business. Business, and uh, it's like your dojo bros and your towels. I'm a fucking mafia guy. Like that's the old one in such prestige versus the other. You can just imagine when Jim Ross would be like rattling off somebody's background and Vince McMahon is just seething on commentary. I'm gonna have to insult this pig in a minute. Like I'm gonna have to give him what for. I don't care about his like what is it? All American? NCAA. NCAA, NCAA that's NCAA, it. Like, All American and Oki. One more sooner. You know, I've just realized as well, you're going off on holiday. Well deserved holiday, right? Soon. You've got just so came up with an absolutely brilliant Jim Ross tweet for the next time he um, <laughs> the next time he gets pervy. Cool. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm. You've got some catchphrases now that I might just. Try I'll tell you after. Isolate them. Good this. I'm, I'm you have to, to like it when it's. I'm, on I'm trying right. to work it out already. I'm going to get. So I'm going to try and dig in the archives and get some some a sound a Sidgwick sound. Oh yeah, because he's got some great ones, and mm. I don't. I will not do him justice when I'm not, when he's not here. Like this business. Just drop one every now and then. The yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, time for the Battle Royal. In the main event, as I mentioned, Cora Jade comes out. No skateboard. 
sensible. Um, and it, she thinks it's all about her. And then there's this big surprise, the return of Zoe Stark. November, we last saw her, I think they said on commentary. Yeah. And they explain, and you should, I'm going to give you the floor here, that this has been teased. Yeah, this was not, I, I didn't spot this, but I enjoyed reading people trying to do the detective work. So I forget one of them. One of them was a more obscure tease, but another one had the number. When the QR code came up, it was 8, 11, 11. There was a Wordle, I think, somewhere in a long way. Aye, there was a Wordle for something, but there was, a, there was 8, 11, 11, and the numbers, it was like, well, what's happening? And then it turned, somebody had done the work, and they'd paused the exact moment that Zoe Stark got injured, and it was the exact timestamp of the episode. Like, the time that week was at NXT starts at 8 o'clock at night, whatever it was, 11 minutes in. And... I was just so impressed, A, that they'd gone to the trouble of thinking about how to reintroduce this character, but also clearly inspiring people to do the detective work. It's not just a bit of crack that we have that absolutely nobody engages in this brand. Nobody engages in this brand. You go on the next day. It, it's To be fair, it's happened to Raw and SmackDown too, but you go on Twitter the next day and there's just it's really hard to find the conversation. You go on the hashtag and even then it's more the official account that dominates the discussion rather than people just sharing the thoughts. People had actually gotten invested in what this might mean enough to really dig deep and find out stuff. I was impressed that NXT 2.0 had done enough graft to generate that conversation and indeed, like, push somebody coming back as mattering yeah. and then follow it through with this match as well. Like, I put a bit of faith in their ability to make Battle Royals matter and I think that faith was rewarded here in, like, in a few different, not just in the finish, yeah. but, like, in a few different areas. Yeah, and I... <laughs> I was just glad because I was like, they're teasing Halloween Havoc in July. Okay. Ha that was it. Yeah, we thought Havoc. Yeah. But what was that about? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, start of this, everyone thinks we'll kick the crap out of Cora Jade. Everyone hates her. Uh, and she gets chased out of the ring under the bottom rope, though. Um, so remember that. Ivy Nile chases her out and the battle royal kicks off. Um, I didn't get every single elimination down, I've got to be honest. Um, Fire and Alba Fire and Lash Legend eliminate each other and then stop brawling on the outside because the feud's going to continue there. Uh, Wendy Chu does her best Kofi Kingston impression. We should have seen this one coming. Uh, she gets chucked over the top rope, but she falls and lands on her pillow. So both feet have not touched the floor. She gets back in and then they are on strat and just twats her with her own cup to get rid of her. Um, there's a nice bit between... Um, you, Valentina Ferroz and Ulyssa Leon. Stark uh, throws Ferroz to the floor. Leon catches her because they're a tag team. Um, but then Stark just super kicks Leon and she goes down. They're both out. Um, Carter and Chance um, take Niall out. But in the midst of this, they get knocked out as well. And then Tatum Paxley, the pick from Mandy Rose, of course, decides to eliminate herself to protect her mentor. She's a little bit dumb, but you know, it makes sense, I suppose. Um, and Indy Hartwell gets dumped out by Tevin Stratton to leave the final four, that's what we thought, uh, to be uh, Tiffany Stratton, Nikita Lyons, uh, Kiana James, and Zoe Stark. Uh, James hits Lyons in the corner, but gets roundhouse kicked out. Uh, but then Lyons is suddenly eliminated by Tiffany Stratton, who snuck up behind her. Um, and it's down to the final two, Stark and Stratton. Um, it's a nice bit where Stratton tries to skin the cat and, and falls, and oh, well, only one foot touches the floor, uh, so no elimination there. Uh, Stratton goes to that handspring back elbow, and Stark suplexes it as a reversal, uh, and then Stratton gets uh, Starks out onto the apron, and they, they're battling on there, and eventually uh, Zoe Stark knocks Stratton off the apron to eliminate her and seemingly win the match. No bell rings, though. Think, oh no, Zoe Stark's starting to celebrate. She's climbing the turnbuckle. And you think, I've seen this 
this image before. Cora Jade slides back into the ring. Everyone's screaming behind you, behind you. And for once, Zoe Stark, the baby face, is not made to look like a complete idiot. She just simply backdrops Cora Jade, who can't believe what's happened out of the ring. Zoe Stark is the number one contender uh, for the NXT Women's Championship. I'll go first because I don't think I'm going to be quite as kind. This kind of, um, you know, I take of the existence of a story doesn't automatically make the story good. They did the thing in the Battle Royal that you should do. Maybe it's bare minimum stuff of telling multiple stories at once because you've got multiple performers in the ring at the same time. It's the way to do these things, and in fact, they did it. I question at least one story here. Um, in who's Ivy Niles? Protégé, as much as an absolute oxymoron that is. Tatum Paxley. Tatum Paxley. Like, isn't the whole point of Diamond Mine that, you know, you you roll your ankle, who cares, you ice it up. It's all about the pursuit of victory at any cost. She's not ingratiating herself into Diamond Mine by (laughs) taking a bullet. The whole point is just keep fighting, rolled ankles and all. So that stable's a complete mess. This just complicates it further. It's just a stupid thing to do to tell a story for telling a story's sake. The execution overall was remarkably good. I don't want to be patronizing. I'm using my established viewpoint of the quality of that division on this TV show to inform this genuine surprise at how well they accomplished this, mostly in terms of the action. Um, There's one bit that really pissed me off because it was that, uh, you kind of have to do it now. You've committed to the spot and this isn't the finish. But, like, you'll never get any sort of improvisation in an NXT ring that could enhance a good moment into something great or to salvage a potentially completely illogical immersion breaking moment in my God Stratton failing to kick the cat when I uh, skin the cat while goddamn Zoe Stark, I think it was, which just stood there for what felt like a century. It was so bad. Uh, but, you know, elsewhere, the booking and the plotting and the work from Zoe Stark was so good that I'm not going to isolate that one moment, or at least I'm going to do that. I've just done it, but I'm not going to remember that one moment. Mm. Overall, it was a real triumph in getting Zoe Stark back into the mix, and she was really, really strong as a worker, so it's good to see that she's going to get another go-around post-injury. Um, yeah, it's broadly fine, this. Uh, yeah, I have so many positive things to say about this. I'm going to forget some, and I'm just going to sprawl all over the place here, because I... I really enjoyed all of this, and I think an element of it was in the um, the mere existence of a battle royal. Often was you know just to sort of get people on a card or to get people appearing. But in this case, when we have been very critical of some of the quality of the work, there were less opportunities. Like battle royals look incredibly difficult to work, but there were certainly going to be less things that you could see of things say going wrong, or if it was just a case of going and standing and throwing punches for a bit, it's harder for things to go wrong, and you're not going to see people botching catching dives or horribly botching moves in the middle of the ring, like when there's just the two of them and all the focus is on them. So in a sense, a battle royal was kind of an ideal way to actually put focus on a lot of these women at once compared to a bunch of singles matches where the only thing you're left remembering is something that's gone horribly wrong. That seems to happen once a week on NXT and it's gift inevitably. So that then that wrestler's cards are marked. So for a change, it was nice to see most of the women just coming out with a bit more credibility than they would. Um, said this before in previous weeks, Mock, and we do, the ludicrous vignettes that some of these characters get given, the daft uh, personalities, you know, said it before, gimmicks sell T-shirts, characters sell tickets. Nearly all of these are gimmicks rather than characters, but you do kind of know who they are, and they're all something, even if that something is virtually nothing. Like, they're all something. So you've seen them all in a battle royal, and everybody is virtually distinguishable. It creates the idea and the veneer of a full and loaded division full of contenders that want to compete for the title. They spent the entire episode 
building up all of these individual contenders. It wasn't just the wrestlers in the match that were talking about it. It was other wrestlers suggesting that in the locker room, this battle royal is the talk of the roster this week. As the title match was last week, which only enhances the stakes of the women's title and indeed Mandy Rose's grip on this belt and this idea that can't... I don't even like toxic attraction, but I will buy that this roster is sort of thinking toxic attraction needs to be stopped. Yeah. Last week it was with Roxanne Perez. This week it's with the Battle Royal. Who's going to win? You know, the work going into like making the winner of this match matter before the match has even started or indeed the title changing hands. All the individual stories that were told in the match, as slim as some of them were and as brief as some of them were, um, I just thought it made the best out of virtually everybody. Um, we used to talk about Casey Catanzaro, now it's Katana Chance being a feature of Battle Royale. That wishbone spot was tremendous. Yeah. That's what you do with somebody with her ability and dexterity, is like have her pulled apart by the splits, because it looks awesome and it's yeah. memorable, right? The Tate and Paxley Ivy Nile thing, I was going to be kinder to, because I thought what they were trying to say there was, look at how everybody in Diamond Mine is for Diamond Mine, apart from Roddy Strong. Like, over the course of this show, look at how much they've been there for each other, with the exception of Roddy Strong. And I thought that was why those two in particular were used for that. Otherwise, it is a bit... Bit of a wet wipe thing to be like, I love you. She'll bollock her next week, I suppose, as well. If they, you know, if they want to. Um, Stark was well handled throughout as this woman that nobody could have possibly prepared for, even to the extent that Cora Jade wasn't prepared for her. She thought she'd figured the whole thing out, but even like, even like she couldn't have been ready when she's hatched this master plan. That's how you make it not work out for the heel. And it sort of implies that she's not going to be ready for Roxanne Perez either. Tiffany Stratton was, like, I know I predicted to, to win. Skin the Cat was less than ideal because she was kind of given the Shawn Michaels run. Like, the Wendy Chew thing could be perceived as a bit heelish, but it was Wendy Chew's gimmick. Yeah. She, it was like, she brought it into this. So she could use that. I'm sick of your Wendy Chew and I'm going to eliminate you. Felt more, like, scanned more as a babyface thing. They wanted, for the first time, to present her as a credible wrestler first, Daddy's Girl second, and that was threaded throughout as well. Like, I thought this was... And, like, Lash, uh, Lash Legend and Alba Fire are having this kind of nonsense thing where Alba is going to have to, like, do the work of 10 wrestlers to elevate Lash Legend here, and it's a basketball on fire and all this crap. That's why a Battle Royal is so much better, because it's just this little yeah. short, sharp burst of the two. We know they're fighting. We know they're in a rivalry. Maybe the uh. match won't be a total disaster. I Honestly, I thought this was a multifarious success story. And, and yeah, like, NXT's women's division... NXT in two hours are doing more than AEW doing in three plus mm. with their women. Like it's like this is the show we rip the piss out of, and this division's in way and the matches are often awful, and the division feels in way better health. It's not that hard to get more of this right. Right. Well, before we wrap up, one last thing to do, Tamina. Over to you, love. It's time to play the game. <laughs> Still not tired of that. Not 20 Questions, Sid, explain if people don't know what this is. Not 20 Questions takes the deductive game element <laughs> out of the following game. Um, in that 20 Questions, you think of a celebrity in your head and a series of questions, 20 in fact, are asked, which allows you to, via process of elimination, hopefully arrive at the answer. We just do, I'm thinking of a celebrity, who is it? And it's going to be so amazing when it actually perhaps, and someone just guesses it, it's going to be a huge babber. Shout out to everyone who guessed our wrestlers for Not 20 Questions on Twitter. Jake, Tim, Bradley, Peter, Will, Big Flatty, Cool, Grant, Drew, uh, Andrew, Sean, Kid Icarus, Jude the Dude, Zach, Mark, JM, Wagner, uh, Werner, Stuart, Stephen, Matt Rains, who writes, his guesses were written as Wilborn, then a guess, The King, and a guess, and then third guy, uh, which is enjoyable. Uh, who was that? Matt Reigns. 
Sanders Burner, uh, Senan Catterson, Daniel, uh, who else? Uh, Eli, Paul, Ryan, Barton, David, anyone but you, Hugo, uh, Reese Macy, JB. Yes, thanks to all of you who guessed. Uh, we're now going to reveal our answers and reveal if anyone got them. Uh, Hamlet, do you want to go first? Who's, or are we guessing as well? Or this is just a listener-only guessing thing, isn't it? Otherwise, it's going to confuse things. We'll keep Re- it as a listener. Yeah. yeah, reveal who your wrestler was. My wrestler was Bart Gunn. Oh! Who I don't believe was. Guessed. No, there was some... This big boss man was guest for you. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm. Um, all the B guys. Barton Keys just guessed, guessed for all of us. Travis of Techno Team 2000. Yeah, good <laughs> job. Um, yeah, uh, Adam Bomb was guest for you, but no guesses as far as I can see. Uh, for that, Sage, who's yours? Manu. Manu. <laughs> I'll just double check. Manu. No, Manu. Manu. Uh, Shannon Moore. Manu's on first. Abbott and, Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Meng was guest. Uh, Dan Seven. Uh, Brooklyn Brawler. Tugboat. IRS. Heidenreich. I'll tell you what, this game it's is going to knock up some brilliant. Uh, like raw reunion parties, isn't it? Yeah, like you're hearing all these names together. Manu, it's like it's so great for Manu and Heidenreich to catch up. Yeah, no, no. Uh, shout out to Jake who considered picking Rick Books, but I thought I can't go that obvious. Ah. I still went obvious. I went for Rikishi, <laughs> but I don't think anyone guessed him for me or no, for, there, for yeah. any of us. Uh, if we've missed it. Like, yeah, tag we'll, us or retweet and we'll, we'll acknowledge you we'll acknowledge you as a winner. We're playing again on Dynamite? Yeah, very quickly, just one for us first. I've got a wrestler in my head. Who is it? Leon Ruff. No. Roxanne Perez. No, it was 8-Ball. Ah. Right, uh, let's take it home with the, the same jingle. It's time to play the game! <laughs> Time to play the game. It is still too hot in the studio for that. Yeah. Uh, right, let us know your thoughts on, on Not 20 Questions and on NXT <laughs> 2.0 uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at... <laughs> <laughs> at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back to preview AW Dynamite Fighter Fest week two a little bit later on today. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.